Welcome, this is Richard Wilson. If your seat backs and tray tables are not already in their full upright positions, it's too late. Brace for Impact is the Bait and Switch Podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. I'm Jim Martin along with my co-host Chris Beyer. Today we have Gary Malik with us. Gary's a friend of Chris's, a finance professional with General Electric. Welcome, Gary. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did tell you about is that Gary's originally from India. Correct. So, Gary, Gary, you're originally from India. How, how long have you been here? I came into this country in 2006. Okay. But I've been coming since 2003 or onwards, so, but I moved my, my family in 2006. Okay. You know, so I, I started my career with G Capital in India. They had an office in G Healthcare, and nobody wanted to go to Wisconsin. It oh. was cold. <laughs> And they also told me that the customer or the client is not very friendly. Okay. I just said, not just a lot show of me where it is in America. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited to come over here. Great. And I think the first time when I came over here, they kept calling me Gustav for like a month. I did not correct them at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the story goes that Gustav, I... Gustav, you look Swedish. I was going to say, or, or German. German. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I get a lot of Jose's, but yeah, thank yeah. you for yeah, that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and G Capital, you said... It was one of the most admired company. I mean, I think still feel it's mo- one of the most respected company in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's just a lot of smart leaders and smart, a lot of smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, they teach you only that much in MBA. Uh, when I joined GE, you don't have to read a management book. You can actually go out to GE, talk to some of the leaders, and you get a lot in in such a short period of time. Okay. So I'm very thankful to be a part of that. Sure. So like on on the job training kind of thing. You're pretty much. If yeah. you're not talented, that's your like your next best bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh what what kind of American customs or uh, or attitudes uh, initially surprised you? Well, one of the first thing if I remember that just really popped out was the fourth of July. When I came in permanently along with my family, mm-hmm. I had a three-year-old mm-hmm. and I took her to the parade. Right. Ooh. And generally, when you compare Fun. that with India, when in India, it's the comparable date is 15th of August when the country got independent. And it's just a show of might with, you know, with all the tanks and the missiles. And over yeah, here, it's all about giving out candies, yeah. right? <laughs> and that's, that's just true. doing what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. And right. So culturally, when I looked at, you know, a dog, Wearing like an American flag, uh-huh. certain <laughs> things that were just just popped out, sure. and that was the first time when I felt like freedom has a different meaning in this country. Okay, and um, I still joke. I mean, the true story. Uh, the next year, I was running along with my daughter. Her bike was all decorated, and she was. There was another guy. You know, he's an American guy. He was he was running along with me, and then we stopped. And then at the end of the parade, he's like, well, do you have, Gary, 4th of July in India? And I'm like, no, we have the 3rd of July and then we have the 5th of July. <laughs> so <laughs> We skip right over it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some of the basic questions, and maybe I should have answered it differently, but, you know, just... <laughs> I thought it was just, good. Just, <laughs> a, just the way we were looking at things. Yeah. Just a calendar date for them was like a festival. Sure. Versus to me, it was a calendar date. Right. So h- how would you gauge Indian patriotism versus American patriotism? I think it's very similar. Um, I think the value system that uh, Indians as a country and as people embark on, uh, secularism, freedom, democracy, 
I think we have very similar values there. We, just like in America, there's a Vietnam War and a Korean War. We have like five wars with Pakistan. Right. And, sure. Sure. <laughs> but again, the only thing I would say is I wish there was enough of a flavor of, of freedom that comes over here. You know, probably you guys just glanced over when I said a dog wearing an American flag. Right. Mm-hmm. You do that in India, they will burn you. Right. Really? Oh, so, because wow. that's like, just the sensitivity for certain things. Right. Okay. Is very, very high. And then you question, is that truly freedom? Right. Oh, so, interesting. so yeah. from a maturity mm-hmm. standpoint, I think this country is about hundred years ahead and okay. India is catching up. Right. Um, but I think we're getting there. So you're a, you're American citizen. That is correct. Yeah. Do you feel more American or more Indian at this point? I, I think, you know, you love what belongs to your kids. My kids are American. Mm-hmm. They're, li- they're really American at heart. Right. And, um, I do not have a fallback option. This mm-hmm. is my country. I'm all, all American in, in the spirit sense of it. It takes a little bit of time to internalize this. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, one more funny story about when I became a U.S. citizen and I was pretty excited. I came back and I opened the door and my CFO was there and a bunch of other guys were there. I'm like, there's no diversity in this room. They all looked at me and I'm like, we're all Americans. So my first <laughs> meal was at, um, Fuddruckers. Everybody had to have like a half pound Angus beef patty. Oh, right. And that was my way of becoming American. <laughs> Did you have to uh, give up your Indian citizenship to become an American? Unfortunately, yes. They do not allow for a dual citizenship. Oh, okay. So my kids are American, but my wife refused to be. She's like, you can be patriotic once in life. And again, she's my li- wife and I love her. And Sure. Um, but I kind of forget sometimes, you know, it's this... This, you know, because it's her country and this is my country, but we live under the same roof. But I respect her. I mean, you know, it's, sure. it's individual choice and she mm-hmm. chooses to be like that. Mm-hmm. The second thing is sometimes, you know, when something is given to you, you make choices. It was not offered to me. I had to earn that. That's been a journey for me. To me, um, I think that is something that I've earned over a period of time. To her, it is something that she has it as a choice. And I'm happy for that. Sure. That any day she wants to get up in the morning and say, today's the day I want to move towards citizenship. And she can because I'm a citizen and the kids are the citizen now. So mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of, it's kind of that dynamics, but uh, sure. I'm glad that she's, and she's my wife and she's holding up to her guns and she's like, I'm just going to keep it that way. Sure. I respect that. Yeah. It's kind of like Packer fans that live in Illinois. They're going <laughs> to yeah. stick to it, right? They're, They're not going to give it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, or Minnesota. Yeah, I sure, think sure. that's probably actually a little bit more profound, my example, with the Packer fan than your wife and the India thing. But right. I it's, see yeah, the correlation. Yeah, right. I sure. see the correlation. <laughs> like the 49ers in Wisconsin? Is yeah. that what you mean? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say this. I do get irritated when somebody from Milwaukee will say, oh, I've been a lifelong Steelers fan. Okay. Like, you don't get to pick. If you're from Wisconsin, you don't get to get on the bandwagon. Uh, Gary's kind of like the bandwagon. He got on yeah, the American got, bandwagon. Got, yeah, right. Your wife is still a Packer fan. Right. She's more loyal. She, she's yeah. Do you, do you ever? Uh, do you and your kids ever ever gang up on her? The American citizens have decided we're going to go here for dinner. I don't think so, that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I, you're right, Chris. Yeah. You're a smart guy. <laughs> you know, I'll say this. I've been to Indian restaurants once or twice. I'm not digging it. What is that? What is that spice? What is that thing? The red spice turns all the food red. What is that? Is it curry or is it something else? Cumin. Uh, is it's, it? it's a, 
Any typical Indian food will have 30 to 40 spices. My big thing about Indian food is, number one, it's messy. I like it. Yeah. It's messy. And I, maybe you edit this part of this, for, of this Go conversation, ahead. but I like Pakistani food better, man. I mean, <laughs> oh boy. No, now it's Sam. <clears throat> they just know what the right flavor is like. They got um, it down in Pakistan. They, they just yeah. got it down. Yeah. I, I have a feeling, right? What I don't like about them is their cricket team. I love their nation. Uh, I also like their food. But, yeah. but again, like I said, I mean, you know, only in America can I say this and get away with it. You know, I like, right, right. Uh, just yeah. like the, the dog with the flag. This is kind of the equivalent of that. Right. You, right. Can't, you can't be giving out compliments to Pakistan. Yeah. I bet yeah. that wouldn't go over well in India, right? I, you know, you know, there are times when at the border tensions are high. Sure. Things get really rough. You get mutilated mm-hmm. bodies in both sides. So what I do is, I read the Times of India, which is like the New York Times. Then I also read the Dawn.com, which is their, Dawn is their newspaper. Right. Mm. And the truth okay. is somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always two sides to the story. Sure. Uh, India, Pakistan, that's, for our listeners, that's the Packers and Bears. That's kind of the, the big rival. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close, Chris. <laughs> I'm so impressed. Only, <laughs> only a little bit more bloody. Uh, well. <laughs> You know, I, I like spicy food, but I went to a um, a Thai restaurant here recently, and I'm not sure what the spice is, but it was it was menacing. It was it was it was hot. It menacing. Was menacing. I, I was menaced by the spice. I was I was terrorized by the spice. Wow. I, I'm not sure what this is, but I think it's the ISIS of spices, whatever this is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I'm whatever afraid of the spice. Sure. Yeah. I think if I back down, then they win, whoever they are, with this. <laughs> For the spice. spice right. Now this now this definitely might be cut out here as we talk. Now obviously beef is not eaten in India, right? Yeah, beef is not eaten. So in what India. is the meat in India? Uh it's basically chicken and goat. Okay. Um but um there's a big deal about cutting a cow. Right. It's it's, right. it's considered right. really, really sacred. Right. And um you'll be you know, I was going on an eight lane highway. Mm-hmm. Uh the lane's working well and you know, I'm just so happy with the traffic. Right. It just happens. <laughs> I see a whole bunch of traffic swirling on the other side. Uh-huh. There was actually a cow sitting over there with his calf. Yeah. Are yeah. these cows like feral? They're just walking they just the street? around, yeah. You know, there are some that are bought, you know, they're, they're bought and sold. But then there are some which are just stray, hmm. just like stray dogs. And there's no, <laughs> there's no farms with cows, right? Because that wouldn't be a good no, idea. No, right? no, no. Yeah. In fact, they're so, a menace in lot of respect because they would come in eat your flowers eat your garden f- vegetables and food or whatnot so i mean but it's more menacing it's more menacing more yes men- yeah. like i was yeah. at the thai restaurant right. you're menaced right. yeah <laughs> uh, menaced by the cows yeah so uh cows just they kind of own the place they walk around they do what they want to do that's right in fact to the extent that you know there's <laughs> the there's a political party right now which is kind of beating up people, and in fact, some of the people got killed as well with the allegation that they were actually cutting cows and oh. eating cows. So that's how sacred it is, Right. where yeah. it is almost okay to take um, the law in your hands to kind of... Because you know, of the cow. Because of the cows and save right. them and whatnot, right? Right, right. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting when you said... You know, sort of your initiation into America was Fuddruckers, right? Because here's a half pound beef burger, you know, that was... Uh... Well, they kept telling me that we they will take pictures and send it to my mom. Okay. So I had to pay them off, right? Yeah, so I was going to say, that wouldn't go over well, No, right? yeah, not at yeah. all. Not yeah. at all. 
So now you've talked about how great Pakistan is. You've uh, <laughs> eaten cow. Now your mom's really not going to be happy with this no. podcast. <laughs> no, I'm glad she doesn't speak English so well. Yeah, well but... <laughs> <laughs> Good. So with the flag, with the dog, right? If you do anything like that in India, people would be re- would be upset with you, right? That's right. But is that because of the flag part? What is it? Because you're... You See, know, it's very hard for you to even comprehend that. It is. I mean, yeah. think about it. Just the fact that there's a flag out there. Okay. And somebody's doing that and With putting it on a dog right. or right. putting it like using it like a bra. Right. I mean, or shorts or shorts yeah, for right. that matter. Right. 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 It's a, it's a big no, no. Okay. Because it, of the sensitivity around that thing. I'll say this too. We do have very serious guidelines about uh. how a flag is to be treated, American flag. So I do have, uh, I was in the military. So that's a little bit of a, of a, the thing too, but I, I do have a little bit of like uh, a little, you know, kind of a twinge when I see people wearing you know, shorts, where you know, like like wrapped around a dog or whatever. You know, <laughs> I didn't realize that this whole podcast was going to revolve around flags on dogs. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's going to be the title: flags, flags, on, flags dogs. on dogs. That's, yeah. be, but no, what Jim is saying is true, which is there still are sensitivities involving the flag. Yeah, but the punishment meted out for a something that offended somebody. Sounds to be very different here. It might get you a civil violation there. It might get you into real physical trouble. That's right. Yeah, know? that's right. right. And yeah. that's, that gets back to the freedom issue, which is in America, there might be more freedom to make mistakes or to offend people. And there, perhaps, uh, if you make the same mistake, the punishment might be tougher. That is right. And that is not the punishment written in the book of law. Mm-hmm. People right. will take law in their own hands. Right. Yeah. And there will be no consequences for that. Yeah. And that's where I think we differ yeah. a little bit, right? Right. There's a lot of mob mentality. And you think about the Maslow's hierarchy. I was not even, I mean, food, shelter, clothing, things that are good in America. The next level is safety. And not everybody, there's a billion people living over there. It's pretty safe over there. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, what does the newspaper tell you? Jeez. One bad incident. Somebody goes crazy. Right? and yeah. So mm-hmm. I have two daughters and I feel very... Uh, very much safe sending them to Pewaukee. Midwest is a great, great place to, to raise your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you go to America, to India, they have two assumptions. Number one, they watch this Real Housewives of Orange County and they oh think boy. all of America is like that. <laughs> and number two, yeah. they think we're all rich. I have a backyard. It's got money. I go in, shake it out, get sure. some money. And then there you go. I that's mean, how so we operate that's, here. That's kind of the big perception that is out there. Right. That's, that's interesting. You know, but they have this perception, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but because they have a much smaller, I think most of the world really has a much smaller living wage, right? I mean, I guess, for example, you know, so I told you I'm a software engineer. Well, sometimes we'll contract some work out to India and they say, you know, we can, we can get two guys to work in India for probably maybe two to three guys for the price that we could get one guy here. I hope my boss, my boss never listens to this podcast, yeah, right. <laughs> but I started my career and that's not like last century, like in 2003 mm-hmm. and G was paying me $350 a month. Okay. And I was able to do pretty okay. But as I moved from there to here, I have remote teams that work for me. Um, just fascinating teams. And just like you mentioned, we can do that swap of three workers there, one worker here, which is all good and dandy. Mm-hmm. And I'm just talking like an American a little bit. But my biggest view of that kind of a swap is an element of leadership. Generally, the leadership, the brains sit in the country. Hmm. 
because leadership is such an unmonetized trait of American culture. Hmm. So if you think about a movie which is on an international standard, and I'm not, this is not like being racist or being a country specific, chances of people closing their eyes of thinking and guy from Thailand or a guy from Nigeria is going to win over the world and save the world. Right. Just mm-hmm. that perception is not there. Yeah. And okay. then you think about what happened in the last five, 10 years. Yes, manufacturing jobs went away. Facebook came in. Google came in. You talk about technology management that started in this country. Well, let me bring, I want to bring this all back to the flag yeah. on the dog. Okay. The flag on the dog symbolizes freedom. Uh-huh. The freedom that Americans enjoy is what drives innovation. You said we've advanced in certain ways as a culture, and that frees up our mind for innovation. And perhaps, you know, I'm just trying to tie this together, that maybe what's behind all this is the freedom that Americans enjoy that allow us to be the leaders, to be the innovators. I completely agree with you. But freedom is not just because of that flag. It's also of your thought process, Chris. Right. My daughter just turned 16th last week. Wow. And I, she's going out to interview for being a waitress in a nearby restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud about it. Mm-hmm. If this was India, I would have put my face somewhere in shame and I would never be able to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? There is a status. Okay. So there are jobs that are there that, I mean, I have never been a waiter in my life mm-hmm. because I am well qualified. I've got a master's degree. I've got this and that. All those frills that are out there is simply existing in one country that doesn't exist over here. So you've got this this respect that comes out of that freedom as well. Mm-hmm. I'll be proud to tell my neighbor that my daughter's working as a busser over there or as a as a waitress over there. It just, because she's doing hard work, that is enough. Right, right. Sure. And that kind of drives a different kind of an entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So going back to your flag on the dog, mm-hmm. yeah. that's just a representation of right. respect is not uh, superficial. Right. Those things do not matter one way or the other. Mm-hmm. While your sensitivity might be here in India, you're still bad to women. You still do not respect hard work and labor. There are other things that one culture can run from the other. I'm sure there are other right. things that America can learn from India as well, sure. like taking care of their elders having three generations living under the same roof. Right. There are some good things over oh, there as well. Yeah. Yep. But then there are some stock paradigms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so lucky to live those two paradigms in the same life. Yeah. Sure. Right. right. Yeah. Thinking I mean, differently about it. It's cool to hear that perspective and get that. It, it makes me sort of sit back and appreciate more of what I have because it's really easy to take it for granted when you've been here your whole life. I don't know any different, you know. Well, that's, again, a sign of vulnerability. I mean, you don't Mm -hmm. get that in many cultures. I've traveled abroad um, in Europe. Um, I don't get that same level of vulnerability with other cultures as well. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. As an American, it's pretty okay to say, I don't understand this, or I don't know geography good enough, or I don't understand your language, and it is pretty much okay Mm -hmm. to get along with it. So I'm glad that you said that, Jim. But One thing you alluded to here just a a bit ago, in culture, you talked about the caste system a little bit, right? They, they refer to that. And another thing I heard about when I was reading some book about business and innovations, they said in India, one of the big problems is graft and corruption within the government. If you want to start a business, 
there's everybody putting their hand out and you got to grease all these local politicians to get things going. Is that is that true or not? I think it's a very fair... I think it's gotten lesser and lesser over a period of time, but I think that's a very fair assessment of what you just said. And if you have to look at an example, just try to go out on a motorbike with, without wearing a helmet, which is a law, or trying to wear, you know, not wear a seatbelt and then drive, and then a police guy will stop you. And many a people, before giving out their driver's license, they will put a 500 rupee note outside. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then walk away, and you will see that in broad daylight. It's happening in front of you. Yeah. I couldn't dare do anything like that. Right. Right. As right. much yeah. as I'm tempted to sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> like, well, rupees don't work here. Right? That's yeah. correct. Yeah. That, yeah. Is so correct. Right. that is correct. That is correct. It's my country. It's my culture. It's my I didn't do it. It didn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, um, yeah. So I've, I've heard about that. In fact, I was in Malaysia. And a friend of mine, we got stopped by the customs officials hmm. and they kept hassling him about different things. And he knew what it meant. What it meant is he had to give the guy some money so they could go forward. And that's what happened. And in America, whether this is true all the time, the real concept behind America is rule by law, right? The law is the rule, not the king, not the mob, not the government, not the, um, uh, not anybody. The rule is what's written. And so the idea of of paying off a cop for a parking ticket or for whatever, for a speeding ticket, is less of an option in America because of that than it would be in elsewhere and other places in the world. No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I mean, Chris, I think you're, you're stating the obvious. But but the whole the <laughs> hope that. is... That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, I don't know what Jim's job is here, but I, I, I'm here we'll, to state we'll, the obvious. Maybe we'll find out one day. <laughs> I think what the hope is, you know, we have a prime minister who's, he's a very honest guy. Mm -hmm. And we've got the the prime minister before that, um, you know, he was a Sikh and he was a very learned guy. Again, very high in, in terms of values and very honest. I think it starts from the top. When you've got leaders like that, mm -hmm. I go over there and all these things are happening, but it's happening less than the last time I was there. You can still get away with greasing the palms. Right. Mm -hmm. It happens in every country. Oh, sure. But every time I go there, I feel like it's people are getting more educated. Mm -hmm. They're becoming more aware. You know, Americans, for the most part, are not that knowledgeable about places like India. Um, how tuned into American politics are Indians? Very, very. I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for all Indians over here. But um, anybody who's taken citizenship, um, this time was the first time I voted. Mm. I mean, what an honor, right? Mm. Just going out, cast out a vote, being a part of the democracy. Um, I think American politics is something that is followed at the world stage. Mm. Sure. This is not something that is an election happening in one odd, one odd country which might or might not have an impact overall. Mm -hmm. As a leader of the world still, this country's elections and politics is followed the world over. So when you look at Obama, all those things about having an Afro-American person not doing well and all those segregation and all those things, I think he put it to rest. So mm -hmm. that's the value, that's the power of, of an American president into our country. You know, one thing uh, we talk about every now and then, we talk about something happening in the news so that people that listen to the podcast know approximately when this was taped. 
Just yesterday or the day before, John McCain died, who was the presidential candidate back in 2008. I remember I was at a wedding in San Francisco and during that election between McCain and Obama. And some guy at the wedding came up to me and he started talking politics and he talked about McCain. And he said, that McCain, he said, he's so old, he's going to die any day now. And uh, he'll never serve out his term. And here it is 10 years later. And he, he made it another 10 years. And I just kind of innocently joined in. I said, ah. I said, I don't know. He seems healthy enough to me. And the guy goes, I know who you're for. I said, no, no. <laughs> I said, no, no. I said, I said, no, I'm just saying that he looks like he's going to live. And I was right. He made mm -hmm. it another 10 years. <laughs> but who am I to say? <laughs> who am I to say? Because back in uh, 1976, I thought Carter looked sickly. And he's yeah. still with us. <laughs> still, I right. didn't think he was going to make right. it. Right, yeah. But anyway, um, uh, I, it makes me think about um, when somebody that dies that is famous, oftentimes you'll hear that a publicist will announce his death. And I always think that that's difficult because not only is that publicist publicizing this event, but it's kind of the publicist's resume because he needs a job, right? This guy's mm -hmm. died. Yeah. And so now he's got to be very careful about how he says this, right? Right. right. He'd just walk up and say, well, that was it for them. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, whoa, that's not how I want my publicist <laughs> to present my death. Do you right? think you could be a publicist? Jerry? I don't think so. You don't think so? I'm so matter of fact. Plus, I work <laughs> in finance. <laughs> so matter of fact. Eh, he's died today. I don't know. Take it for what it's worth, what but if, that's it. What if, like, you know, a week ago, McCain, you know, gives his publicist like two weeks notice. If you're the publicist, <laughs> do you say, yeah, I'm going to wait it out. I'm not going to quit right now. I right. think I can make it to the end so it doesn't look like I got fired. <laughs> is, is that too much? <laughs> I'm getting a lot of eyes rolling here. <laughs> I, you know, my only, I'm sorry. You know, I, anyway, I was going to say, getting back to the guy in, in San Francisco, I was going to ask you, how old, what would be the oldest candidate for president that you'd vote for? 80 years old? 85? 90? Well, that's a tough question. What about I 100? Mean, would you vote for somebody that's 100 years old? I don't think so. Who's their running mate? He's an agent. That's, that's when you start, our guest yeah, here. Yeah. He's, he's got something <laughs> yeah. against Oh, him. all of a sudden. No, he's 100 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think if the person is fit, um, you know, mentally, mentally as well as physically, I want to see a 10-year, you know, a four-year, five-year term in it, plus a four-year, five-year follow-up as well. Sure. Because a lot of times people just look at a person and say, the person is fit for four years. I want somebody to live through that another four years of, you know, either in the second tenure or just live through the policies that he or she has put together. So I'm, I'm big, I'm not big into age one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with Trudeau being a prime minister for, um, okay. you know, for, for Canada. Mm -hmm. Whippersnapper. Well, he's young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, age, age, like I said, I mean, if McCain would have made it at that point in time with Sarah Palin, I don't see one way or the other, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm pretty much agnostic with it. But I was happy that Obama got through just because I said, because the it was on world stage, America was put on a map mm -hmm. because um, there was an Afro-American president that was out there. I think it just put a lot of people's views at rest. Hmm. And and I felt, you know, the greatness of this country. I don't know if I would have voted for him or not, but at the same time, I felt glad because I think that was a defining moment. 
Mm-hmm. So was McCain. Yeah. I mean, the other day, McCain, I was looking at, um, not other day. In fact, yesterday, there was like an interviewer who was, um, you know, he was asking some questions and then they play that clip in which somebody said bad things to Obama and then he stopped the conversation. He said, no, he is a family man. He was a good man. Just our views are not sure getting along. Right. So that's the leadership that you see in a person. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it has anything to do with the age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. It's interesting that question because I don't think I, I really, it's never factored in for me uh, when I look at maybe because there's never been anybody who looks like they're knocking on death's door maybe 80, that's 85 years old would you vote for the guy again if he doesn't look like he's knocking on death's door if he's if he just looks like an older guy 90 90 president well how does he look does he does he look fit he looks fit he looks does fit. he look like 90 uh, years old 100 years old great idea great He's got great ideas. Yeah. You love him. He's fit. Love 100 him. years old, you're voting for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the the uh, the age, the, the what's the word? Uh, the, um, it's just the, a number. Uh, no. No. The um, the length of time that we're living, uh, lifespan, is increasing all the time. I think so I think, I think that, you know, this guy, that guy may live to 120. I plan on starting my political career at 100. A hundred, sure. I think I'm industrious. I think I'll be ready to go. I think you're Chris, I think I'm not be good. for you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> here we go. Mr. Anti-Hundred Guy. Uh-huh. No, I, no, like I said, I, I've got the work ethic. In fact, uh, these guys can see here. Uh, most recently, yeah. I bought a desk. It's a pillow top desk because I'm just always working. Right. Fluffy. Yeah, yeah. So I just oh, yeah. I, I wake up, boom, I'm right at the desk. Yeah, right. You just kind of slide off into the chair, boom. It's... Uh, I've never seen something like this. Yeah. Well, can you imagine being 100 years old and you're campaigning for president and something comes back that you did in college? And you're like, you know, that was 80 years ago. I'm a different man. <laughs> no, no. You did it. Uh, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was 1935. Can I? <laughs> back in the 30s, things were like that. Do you know about the Johnny Lechner law? Who? Johnny Lechner law? I think I do. I what is that? There's a guy called Johnny Lechner and I was watching a documentary and this guy, he just refuses to graduate. So a girl walks in. She was starting her freshman year or whatnot. And he turns around and is like, do you know, when I started college, you were five years old. <laughs> I, I don't want that feeling to come no, out ever. No, that's not right? a pick-up line. That's I don't like, think. Yeah, I was no, this, no. Is not a, this is not a, a badge of honor. She's got to look they at it. They had to make like, a law for that. Saying yeah, that it was, was, uh, it was, I think he went to UW Whitewater. That's correct. Yeah. Really? It, it was a wealthy family. He could just afford to go to college forever. I don't think so. No? I don't think so. He just, li- he just wanted to... aid, financial aid. I, re- I remember a guy I went to college with and talking about financial aid. And he was talking to me and he said, uh, I was hoping for X amount of dollars and they gave me an extra 500 for financial aid. And he said, you know, I could go out buy a new stereo. And he was so excited about buying the stereo. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you just, you know, put that money towards your education or don't even accept it, right? Why go into debt even further? That was 25 years ago. His name was Johnny Lechner. That, uh, <laughs> Still in college stereo. today. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the other piece which is so different. The colleges in India are not as expensive. Yes. But the reverse happens when you go to schools Generally, in India, the schools are very expensive. So as you are, not the government schools, but because those are not good enough for you to go. Um, but if you go to any decent school, mm-hmm. you'll be surprised for a 60-student class. So I used to be in a class where my roll number was 64. Oh. 
I got a little confused. You said universities are cheap, but schools, meaning grade schools and, and high schools, Secondary those are school, expensive. Yeah. That is exactly it. And those are... Are those those are private schools? Public schools for kids are they are they free to everybody or no? Public schools is as good as free, but only the very poor goes over there, and the quality of education doesn't exist at all. A lot of kids go over there for midday meals because the school will provide them for meals, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the big motivation of the kids to go there. Yeah. So that's not a very learning environment at all. Mm -hmm. For any decent learning environment, you got to go to a private school. So one of the things that I'm really, really thankful about is my parents actually, we are two boys and they send us to a private school and spend all this money mm -hmm. for 12 years each before we went to college where, you know, uh, where it was less expensive. So they took the time. They, um, they made us go through this school. Um, when I applied for my kindergarten, there were like 600 kids that applied. Whoa. 150 got selected. Wow. Wow. I was interviewed. I was given a written test. My parents were interviewed. Wow. And then their background was checked. It's pretty rigorous. Yeah. When I came over here and I took my three-year-old to, like, when she turned five and I took her to, like, her pre-K or whatnot. They I said, mean, welcome. Come on in. <laughs> yeah. She asked me for my driver's <laughs> license and I gave her the driver's license and I kept thinking, I mean, what's the next step? Yeah. Where's mm -hmm. the, where's the yeah. interview? Right. Was the interview, right? I mean, right. did you have the kid prep for this interview? <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing, but yeah. as I was growing up, I still remember it like yesterday. Sure. My, my mother will keep showing me like pictures, like that's a giraffe, that's pink color, that's blue, because those are the questions that are asked. Okay. And sure. you've got to be really, because if you look at the guy around you, right. out of the three kids in the playground, one will make it to the school. Yeah. That is another one of the stereotypes for lack of a better term about uh, about Indian culture is the importance of education and a lot of times when people of Indian descent come over here you see them excelling at all sorts of competitions and things like that is that really drilled in at a young age to succeed at school to a greater extent than you see here in America completely um, I think the the competition element of any Asian kid Mm -hmm. Forget Indian, but any Asian kid. Right. Just because you are so many of them. Right. And you got to fight for your right early from early childhood, three mm -hmm. years, four years of age. Right. And you're learning to compete. Mm -hmm. It comes so naturally. If anything, I have to curb my enthusiasm sometimes to do better my, than my next person. Mm -hmm. Because what happens in that stage is you become an individual contributor. You never become a team player. And what oh, this sure. country teaches yeah. you is to become a team player and I'm, I'm just reading a book called Culture Code, which is all about teams and everything. And there are just so many mistakes that I've been doing all through my career. I just, well, I didn't want to say anything. Here tonight. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, Thanks for pointing it out. Mistakes are going to be all edited out. <laughs> and uh, you've made it hard for us. I, I, I went through the same thing in college. I was taught that I had to fight for the right to party. Yeah. Yeah. But right. Beastie Boys, this is a cultural right. reference right. you might not get. But, but anyway, <laughs> um, no, like you said, sheer numbers of people, you sure. have to stand out. You mentioned before, you got a billion people, billion two. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What is it now? Who's ahead, India or China? I think we're neck to neck. Neck to neck. Oh, really? It's India really? has the lead because okay. our 
census program is still very trivial. You knock on the door and you take handwritten notes uh-huh. that somebody tallies it through. I think China is a little bit more advanced. I think we've exceeded it. Um, but then having said that, just the education level and the English speaking capability is so much more with India. Oh, yeah. Then with China. Yeah. China. Right. right? Sure. But then China is a, not a country. It's an economy in itself. I was right? going to say it's a different, different it's animal, a, really. China, uh, China. Not Chinese are animals. I'm yeah. saying this is, <laughs> that'll be, cut a different, yeah, right? that'll be cut out for sure. <laughs> Just been, it's different. <laughs> um, 20, 30 years ago, whenever it was, China had that one child policy because they oh, became yeah. concerned that mm-hmm. China was getting too overcrowded. Is there that concern in India? Is there any change in terms of, demographics as far as family size that's going on in India currently? So in China, they had a policy. We had this this slogan, which was more around coaching and nudging of people rather than making it a mandate right. or a law. It says, um, hum do, which means we two, our two. So I think we went on with that for, for a long time. Uh, but then there were other socio um, problems that we had, which is around um, selective... Uh, abortion uh, for hmm. a long time in india you know they were giving up you know doctors would tell if you're a boy or a girl and then if it's a girl they will take it off right i mean you know you they will just selective uh, abortion selective hmm. abortion right mm-hmm. right um i think china had similar things as well but china mm-hmm. was i think their sex ratio is still one to one in hmm. parts of india the sex ratio is like more like nine to ten so when you hear rape when you hear all those bad things coming out i think that's a that's an outcome of an underlying mm-hmm. assumption. Think of a culture where you've got millions potentially of young men without women to have as partners. How that could just lead to civil unrest? It could just be a disaster. You're absolutely right, Chris. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I have two girls. They have more mates than they want to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if yeah. they were, I mean, of course, I have a feeling they will never marry an Indian, knowing their father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but. But they have choices out there, right? I mean, because they're well-educated. A lot of times, even when girls were born, they would not send them to school because the resources were constrained. They would sell, send only the boy to sure. school. Okay. Now it's changed. Mm-hmm. People realize the value of women. It keeps getting better every time I go there. Mm-hmm. I always see progress. Really, mm. things are getting better. But, you know, there are just women that I always respect, one of which is wi- my wife, so... I just cannot. Um, we'll keep that in the podcast. Yeah. That is right. That is right. That's why I'm saying it. Yeah, right. I was going to say, you got to get When I get home there. today at nine o'clock, <laughs> I have to face fury. <laughs> at what age did you learn English? Oh, I started learning English. Even before Hindi, I started writing English mm-hmm. because that was required for, like I said, my kindergarten oh, right. interview. Right. Yeah. So that was so to, important. You had to know giraffe. To you had to know that. That's right, giraffe. Yes. Do you uh, <laughs> do you speak do you speak more Hindi at the house with your wife or more in English? I think it's turned around a little bit, you know, a lot. When I was in India, we used to talk a lot of Hindi, and now our kids, you, they understand Hindi, but they would respond in English. Okay, you can talk to them Hindi all day, every day, mm-hmm. but they will respond to, you know, in Hindi. And in, and with my wife, I think for the most part, for the most part, just it's English. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, when that change happened, but over a period of time, Hindi has been growing down and down. But every now and then, there's a family that comes in who's recently moved to U.S. and you sit down with them and you break bread and then you, you know, you drink a beer, which is from India, and then mm-hmm. Hindi starts flowing. Sure. Um, you go to India and uh, 
just as you land at the airport. There's just a side of your brain that just, just quick sparks. Mm-hmm. Is it rusty at all? I, I mean, have you have you lost any of your ability to speak Hindi? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. What has changed is earlier I used to think in Hindi and speak in English. That okay. transition went mm-hmm. away. Okay. Now I can think and speak in English. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need to switch. Earlier right. there was a lag. Just mentally a, in my a, head. A translation yes. in your head, yeah. Yes. Yep. That's yep. going away. Now, our listeners will s- hear some edits in here because I've gotten some phone calls on my business uh, while we're in the middle of a podcast. And that made me think about something here recently with my business. I recently hired a new secretary. Do you have a secretary in your work? Yeah. We have an admin, which is shared admin, yes. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm doing with this new secretary that I haven't done in the past is performance evaluations. Do you do that? Performance evaluation? So we used to have performance evaluation. Now we've kind of embarked on a journey of continuous improvement. It's like my wife giving me inputs every day. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully I get better. Mm -hmm. She makes me sit down and for two hours tells me everything that that wasn't. Was that part of your your wedding vows? Did she turn to you and say, we're going to embark on a series of continuous improvements over the next? So two things happened in my marriage. Number one, it was an. It was not an arranged marriage. It was a love marriage. Okay. So mm-hmm. I went for love marriage and I was called a rebel. But uh, right. that's also one of those paradigms of India, if sure. you're interested. Okay. I knew a guy uh, when I was in a club here about 20 years ago. And he said he was going back to India for you know vacation. And he came back three weeks later and he was married. And we didn't even hear of this woman before he left. And he come back and he's got a wife. And she was nice. But... Yeah, we kind of thought, was this arranged? And certainly that's what it was. And probably he was seeing it for the first time. Yeah. Hmm. It's like your father goes in, checks out a car, says, well, it looks outside, good from outside. Guess what I got for for (laughs) you? Yeah. I've heard it said that, you know, when they do surveys and studies that these arranged marriages are oftentimes people are happier within them than the traditional Western marriage. I don't. I mean, it's such such a subjective question. Yeah. I'm happy in my marriage. Right. <laughs> it's it's love marriage, but at the same time, you just it's a mental frame of mind, right? You 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 first get married, then you become friends, and then you start falling in love with each other because it's just not possible to just know somebody and meet somebody for the first time and fall in love. There's a lot of parental pressure on both sides as well mm-hmm. to make it work, mm-hmm. oh, okay. and I think that makes it more all the more successful in the long run. My wife and I make fun because I went to all boys school mm-hmm. and the first girl I met in college, right. I married. And my <laughs> wife makes fun. She's like, when you go to Steinhaffels, you sit on a few sofa sets, you feel it out and you'd spend <laughs> yeah. more time buying <laughs> furniture and we just got married right away. Your wife is very romantic in, in yeah, right, descriptions. Right. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to the performance evaluations, which it sounds like your performance is evaluated in your marriage. On a, on, a, <laughs> on a constant basis. No, I, I one thing I'm doing, I never really did performance evaluations. So I'm doing them every hour on the hour. Do you think that's too much? Every hour on the hour. Yeah, for like a half an hour. And she has not for run like away yet. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> and she's good. not run away yet. Yeah. I am speechless, but thank you. I know who I'll not work for in my, <laughs> for the rest of my life. I'm keeping her on probation for like five years, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm looking at this. Look, she she's may trying not, to figure out how serious I am. She I'm may not realize obviously. any of this, though. Yes. She might not know any of this. She might listen to this and say, wait a minute. What no, I'm actually, I'm teasing. Obviously, I do not give performance <laughs> sure. evaluations. Every hour in the hour. It's like every two hours. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like four times a day. Uh, she's been a very good secretary at this point. By the time this airs, she might be fired. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so in the company I used to work for, there used to be this evaluation system in which you'd be measured on your performance, mm-hmm. but you'll also be measured on potential. Right. So sometimes your performance oh. sucks, mm-hmm. but you have promise for the future. Right. And you still get away with it. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you're going to think about your secretary, not just from the viewpoint oh, of sure. performance, right. but from the potential, from the promise it, for the future. It's a good point. Yes. Of course, we had to abandon that, but yeah. you should continue <laughs> to do did, that. It didn't work at all, but you, <laughs> no. know, you should try it. <laughs> you should try it. <laughs> and I think there is a subtle difference around earlier, you are not good for the job. Mm-hmm. To now, this job is not good for you. Ah, okay. So uh-huh. it just, it's it not just, me, it's you. Yeah, That's right. They say. <laughs> right. They say, we're not firing you, we're breaking up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, right. pretty much. Right. I just, I just, I know there's some other job out there better for you. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, did you have fun here tonight? Uh, oh, loved Gary. it. Loved yeah. it. Thank you so Good. much. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming. Gary, we so. called you Gary, but your real name is? Gorov. That's my real name. Yeah. But yes. You can call me Gary. And your last name, your real last name is? Is Malik. Malik. Now, we talked about, um, again, you're from India. A lot of these Indian names are huge. They're like 30, 40 letters long. Malik, that's quite short. So, two things. Number one, those longer ones. So, in India, there's a South India and a North India. Sure. And when you go in South India, there are certain cultures over there. You start with the village name, your father's name, then your name. So, that becomes oh, okay. Okay. very, very long. Mm-hmm. Malik um, was like a knighthood or a title that mm-hmm. was given by Britishers to my grandfather, oh, who okay. was in, actually in Pakistan. And he fled Pakistan at the time of separation. Right. Mm-hmm. So Malik is like sir, okay. or like title. Okay. And then that became the last name over the period of time. So a lot of Muslims have Malik as a title. So yeah. it's a very cosmopolitan last name. Uh-huh. For it's very hard to tell. But my first name gives it away that I'm, a, I'm from India. Yeah. Well, let's count out the music. We do this occasionally. Yep. Three, two, two one. one. Music. Music. There we go. Well, hey, once again, thanks again, Gary, for stopping <laughs> in, stopping over, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Thank you All again. Right. Thanks, Gary. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for season two, beginning in 2019. We'd like to thank our hundreds of loyal listeners for their thousands of downloads. And we'd also like to thank all of you who have told your friends to help make the Bait and Switch podcast a success. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.